Off the ball. You two lads are from Leinster, so it's no wonder you're given out of the provincial championship. I don't want to take away the provinces. Who drew the geographical line back in the day? It's because of the way that the provinces are broken up. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performance is just lack that intensity. Let's make Nathan Murphy's face even smugger this morning. We'll start in the, in the green just to get Mayo in there. I think we're doing Mayo, aren't we? Let's do it anyway, regardless. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the stats that popped up on screen... Uh, during the first half that took my interest was own kickouts one Galway three out of three Mayo two out of ten and by the end of it I mean it didn't matter we've uh, we've opened the kimono accidentally there a little okay. bit it's Ed Cork and Mead but we've actually we've, we've deleted don't them don't read we've deleted them yeah so congratulations to Mead of course in their Totten Cup semi-final win over Antrim but and we down are, yeah, and down and down I mean it, it goes down. in Croke Park yeah I mean that is that is Ridiculous. It's not bad. And that's going to be a mouth-watering final down in Meath. So it's, it's, it's Mayo and Cork. That's what we're doing, right? Yes, we're doing yeah. Mayo and Cork. So, look, just to keep Nathan happy, Nathan uh, started crying in the pre-match, or the pre-match, the pre-show production meeting, and uh, insisted that we start with Mayo. Well, I think Mayo deserved to be in there, uh, regardless of their own performance. Galway were many people's favourites for the All-Ireland, and Mayo have just gone and beaten them. Like, it is peak Mayo that they would beat Kerry and Galway. And still not winning All-Ireland. And <laughs> probably still find themselves drawn against Dublin in an hour's time uh, in an All Ireland so, quarter final. Uh, we, we, so we can basically work out the draw, can we? Um, no, there's a lot of um, what can't happen. Yeah, like Kerry can only get Monaghan or Tyrone. Mayo can't get Kerry, but um, they can get one of the other three. One of my one of my uh, one of my dub supporting mates was like, "Oh yeah, hopefully we get Cork and it'll be on in, in Parky Cueve. Is that a possibility? No, the two they're all going to be on in Crow Park. That's two what they said. But, but what if what if they change their minds? New information came to light. I don't think new information comes to light with quarterfinals. Doubleheader in Crow Park. It looks like May are going to be playing on Sunday, so they get the full seven day break, uh, considering all the other preliminary quarterfinals were on on Saturday. But Dublin will be Saturday night, won't they? They always are. They'll be the second of that Saturday. Yeah, it, depends. it depends on uh, what the draw is. If it's Mayo Dublin, it might have to be Sunday. There is an All-Ireland semi-final on a Saturday evening mm. and a f- uh, semi-final on a Sunday. Um, that's, that Saturday evening in Dublin could be a good night. Yeah. I mean, the, the ties, it, it's going to be four outrageously good ties regardless, isn't it? Like the, well, you could end up with a lopsided draw where you could end up with Kerry against Tyrone, Dublin against Mayo. On one side. On one side. Can you? Are, are Kerry and Dublin not separated? Well, I think it all depends then on the results of the uh, quarterfinals. Yeah, like they seem quite non-committal as to what will happen the whole way through. There definitely is like a, a bit of wiggle room for the, the drawmakers in what might happen next. You're enough of what might happen next. I was about you get talking about what just happened. Okay, yeah, Mayo. What, what happened? How did they? How did they suddenly come from uh, being dead and buried from wetting the bed against Cork the way they did? A swoon. It was the opposite. This time, Kate O'Connor coming off the bench, scoring that inspirational point. But it was point. it was such a strange game. It was such a uh, Pierce Stadium Salt Hill match where like the wind was the dominating factor. It was how much of a lead could go away, build up by half time, and five points didn't feel like enough. It should have been far more. Albeit Mayo started really well, got three points on the board, but Mayo went up against a Galway side who had their outstanding player in Shane Walsh just totally off form. 
was it four wides he kicked in the first half in a row at a time where Galway were really trying to stretch that lead and it's a totally, totally different game if Galway are going in at the break nine points up to five points up in terms of the psychology for Mayo thinking we're going to have to go out here and somehow rack up a big score in the second half and Galway can sit back ultra defensively if they want Uh, they also went up against the Galway side who two of their best players in Sean Kelly and Damien Comer just weren't fit like Kelly the ankle from minute one you were looking at him going oof he's not he's not fully added today Comer goes off at half time so I think when you look from a Galway point of view and the expectation that was on them this year in Port Choice is very honest afterwards as to how disappointing a season it has ended up being you need your best players on the pitch and you need them playing well and their injury, they didn't have that their injury profile has been really unfortunate like uh, yeah, I still think we hadn't seen them beat a really top tier team in the championship outside of Connacht and I, I keep making the point that I, I think these competitions you have to take them each on their own individual merits and uh, I don't know it, so in a way that's why it's it's suited Monaghan to be in the league scenario that they've been in like I think the difference between Monaghan and Kildare was a decade of Division 1 football like and also Monaghan's propensity for winning in the uh, 75th and 76th minute Conor McKeown's great piece um, today where he's just reflecting on the post-match comments but pointing out that Monaghan have done that week in week out and I think from Mayo's perspective, they have more of their best players fit and in form at the moment than Galway do, and there's no difference between a lot of these sides. I don't think I don't think Mayo are capable of winning the All Ireland from here. No, I don't at the moment. Doesn't feel like it, but now Croker, who knows? Maybe Croker is actually what they've been waiting for all year. As I said last week when the draw was made, Mayo are doing what they did during the Rochford era, which was mirroring what the opposition bring to them and the level of intensity. And it was the same yesterday when Galway upped it, Mayo were able to up it as well. I think there's a lot of positives there still from a Mayo point of view in that the players that Kevin McStay brought in yesterday all performed. Now you could throw back and go, does he know what his best 15 is right now? Maybe he doesn't, and we probably feel because it's Kevin McStay, Stephen Rochford, Lee McHale, that this isn't a first-year management team and it would be perfectly normal for them not to know what their best 15 is right now. You feel they should be further along the track than that. but They did seem to, uh, certainly post-match, he's very honest with Tommy, where he's like, I have different plan depending on playing against the wind, playing for the wind, playing with the breeze, and uh, Hora got sick overnight, mm. couldn't travel with the team, and so... Um, uh, the building of the depth was the thing to give them the opportunity to have different game plans and different personnel on the pitch. So I, I don't think there is the best team anymore, is there? No, you like wouldn't the, be surprised to see Manny Ryan come in depending on who the opposition is in an All-Ireland quarterfinal. Mm. Like the big boost is, you look at Dave McBreen's goal and his performance yesterday, full-back has been a bit of a struggle for Mayo over the last few years. Uh, to have a young player come in and make that sort of impression and the confidence boost he should take from scoring a goal of that quality in a game of that importance is absolutely massive. So, when Mayo got to the All-Ireland Final against Tyrone, I don't think anyone thought they had enough to to probably even get to an All-Ireland Final. A lot will depend. A lot will depend on the draw. Was the team that got, got to Tyrone not like, were they not favourites of that final? <laughs> they probably were just because it was Tyrone. Uh, I think no. at the start of the year, I think at the start of the year, there wasn't a... So, yeah, when you look at what Kerry and Dublin have right now, it's probably hard to make a case. But that's the magic of yeah, this Mayo team. And as you said, they know how to win these big games. Like They have done it consistently, much like the fact that Monaghan year after year have these tough games against similar opposition in Ulster and can grind it out. So they can get the dubs. Yeah. They can get the dubs, they can get... 
Armagh or, or Derry. Derry. All right. Who do you want? Do you want the Dubs in the quarter no, final? No, but don't be, stop, don't be trying to lead me down this now oh, where you're on. clipping it up. Going, <laughs> I want the Dubs. We took them in the semi-final back and we'd take them again. Um, well, that's what you were, you had it very close to the tip of your tongue there, Nathan. <laughs> Backs in the lines. Come on. Uh, each, each, each one brings its own unique challenge. You want our man. You want our man. You're, not, you're not a manager. No, I, yeah, I think uh, you would uh, like to avoid Dublin for as long as possible, wouldn't you? Yeah. From a modern perspective, if are you going to beat them in the final? Are you going to beat them in the quarter or semis? Is that not it? Well, they beat them in the semi-final a couple of years ago. So this is going to be the year. Maybe where wait till then. You beat Galway in a knockout game. You beat Kerry. You beat the Dubs. You beat somebody else, and then Tyrone beat you in the final again. Yeah, Tyrone <laughs> just uh, coming through sneakily. Derek Hadavan produces, uh, you know, performance like his father and beats Mayo again in the All Ireland final. Oh, yeah, win the all first of, all Ireland all of these Mayo things are all of these things are possible. But uh, from where Mayo were. Last week, uh, after the defeat to Cork, to been able to turn it around in the second half. Uh, hairy enough at the end. I, I see a couple of people writing about it saying their game management was generally quite good. It felt until the last minute of injury time when a bit mm. of panic set in. And, uh, you know, Brian Reap made every single match they played this year. It feels like he's made a brilliant save, but almost got caught out when he came for that high ball in. Yeah, and he was a Phil McDonough who was back covering on the line. Oh, like I think Conor Gleeson had kept three clean sheets in the last three games. So you're thinking that this game with wind, a goal is going to win it. And then when McBreen scores the goal, you're thinking, I mean, go, I need a goal. Tierney, has, Reap makes the save from Tierney then in the second half later on as well uh, to, to uh, stop that goal from going in. It was just one of those games that just, it felt like it could go either way. But yeah, I think the lead at halftime wasn't significant enough for Galway to to have done it. And then, you say, as you say, the injuries. But you can talk about the injuries to the cows come home. Teams need to have strength and depth. And, and I think... Galway we were saying this year did have strength and depth and you look at the subs coming on yesterday and they're all brilliant subs like Tamo Colhan, Cal Sweeney like Fennedy, and, yeah. Fennedy, like, yeah. Yeah, you can have as much strength and depth as you want but if you're full back and you're yeah. talisman up front mm. your two uh, talisman yeah. aren't on it like, if you look both Mayo and Galway had 16 shots from play Mayo scored 10 points Galway scored 7 points you look at the quality that points that Paddy Durkin kicked in the second half Galway missed a few opportunities like that when they had the win and that you know, in a one-point game is pretty much the difference. Yeah, uh, but the big thing was that they shouldn't have been playing this week if they'd kicked the penalty last week and they even, you know, that, like, so all of a sudden, we now understand that every one of those games really matters and you've got to do your business week in, week out and that's why the Dubs and Derry and, to a certain extent, Arma are kicking their heels this week watching everybody else knock lumps out of each other going, yeah, that's great, uh, bring it on. So we shall see next week what the benefits of that were. Mayo win was a fluke, lads. We saw the level in the second half between Louth and Cork. Expect a big beating come the quarterfinal, says Dave Cause, who I think may be trying to um, uh, verbalise it, manifest it into existence. Uh, the Louth game was won. Whatever about the Cork match, I think the Louth game, they're absolutely in control. It was a five points up heading into injury time and they just switched off. Mm. Cork was more of a concern. But again, was there just a game management issue there? Uh, like James Horn is making the point with Tommy afterwards. Uh, look, Teams won't really fear playing Mayo now, but I, but I also think they're the team that in the draw this morning the four uh, already qualified quarterfinalists will want to avoid, like compared to Cork, Monaghan. Absolutely, Tyrone. I think well, if you're Tyrone one of the four well. winners, I think you're looking going. We want to avoid Mayo because of the madness and the unpredictability. Yeah, yeah. and this was Mayo at their absolute peak under Rochford in those two years when they pushed Dubs to the wire. Mm. 
you look at the years going through the qualifiers. Was it Cork one year? Like again, they're pretty much beaten week on week on week in the qualifiers, and they'd somehow find a way to do it. It's not the same team anymore, really. Is no, it's the thing. not. So you can't you, you can't just take the spirit animal of the uh, last decade and assume that this one is going to be the same. Uh, there's been enough turnover in personnel, and you'd hope that they've learned some of the game management things. We should talk about Cork yeah. and their renaissance. Uh, if you think back to the games that they lost, like the first game was against Meath in the league where Meath scored all those goals and I was like, oh, this is going to be a long year for Cork. And then the game against the Dubs where it was the width of a post that stopped them from winning that. And then they went on a bit of a run. And uh, like, obviously, they were horrific in the Monster Championship. But their recovery from that point to this, again, I think it's, um, you know, it's it's a much better system now where you get three games to learn the lessons and implement those. And uh, the the Mayo comeback obviously wasn't a fluke. Now, I don't know, I feel a lot of sympathy with Roscommon. It looked like they'd done everything right. It looked like they were going to use the lessons of the whole season to see out the game and win it. They get turned over. And then Cork, rapier-like, straight down, twist of the knife, over the bar, and that's the win in the game. And suddenly Roscommon are, are bereft. And we'll, we'll speak with Davey Burke later on in the week about the season they had. And you know, I feel real sympathy for them because... I think they had a couple of all-stars in the making and I don't know if you don't make it to the quarterfinals in Croke Park do you, can you still win an all-star we shall see hopefully they get a nomination but are Cork back is this is this like uh, I think if you beat two division two, two division one teams two weeks in a row you're back like to beat Mayo and Roscommon now and the manner in which they did it because when Rus- as you said Joe when Roscommon come back from five points down and, and equalised later on the momentum hashtag momentum is with them massively so um, and I like did maybe Ross Cummins' tactics come back to bite them a little bit in injury time. Like Connor Daly throws the ball to himself, turned over. They're obviously they're clear. Like you could see the Ross Cummins selectors with the three fingers up, going three minutes left, basically saying keep the ball for three minutes, take your point in the last of those uh, additional minutes, and it just didn't work. Like it would maybe it would have worked if they'd managed to, to keep the ball and not have that little error from from Connor Daly. But as you say, Kevin O'Donovan comes up the pitch and and they take the point. So maybe Russ Common's tactics that they got cr- criticised and crucified for against Dublin came back to bite them. Um, but hindsight's twenty twenty. If they hadn't made that small error, we wouldn't be talking about that. But Cork can take another scalp. Like, there's no doubt about it if Cork had drawn against Dublin or Kerry again. that, that There's no reason why they can't win those games. Well, sorry, they can't get drawn against Kerry, mm. of course. Um, but I think they can take another big big victory. Like What John Cleary's done there has been amazing. Um, and teams will, again, want to avoid them. Yeah, yeah. are they back to winning in All-Ireland? Mm. Not yet, but are they back being relevant where actually... We have to analyse you know, them as opposed to... Um, when we're talking about core carry clashes over the next couple of years, we're not just talking about uh, how many that you know they can put it up to the big guns again. So, Ross Common's tactics, maybe, maybe it was a good thing that it comes back to bite you in the ass eventually. Uh, maybe those tactics work against a team like Dublin where you've got to do that. Actually, against Cork, do you just and kick on and win the game? Um, maybe I don't know. I think that that that's their new identity, and it nearly saw them through. And again, if they were one of those teams uh, in Croke Park in quarterfinal weekend, nobody would want to see them. But they're gone, and that is the way the championship worked out for them. Okay, what's next? Let's move on to uh, the other green, and I suppose Clare deserve a, a certainly a strong mention after their performance against Dublin at the weekend. We all expected it, but um, it's Tony Kelly, right? It's Tony Kelly's performance. Uh, yeah, I mean the hat trick. Uh, probably surprised nobody, given it's Tony Kelly, and he does Tony Kelly things week after week. But Claire, like Claire, looks stronger than they did last year. 
um, and you'd expect they'll have learned from that semi-final last year and, and certainly going into this Kilkenny game um, possibly be favourites would they? No um, Oh, that's, think a good, so? that's a good question. I, I think yeah, on performance level, you would say that Clare probably should be favourites. Uh, the muscle memory that's there for Kilkenny would suggest that maybe not. Possibly. It's the injury, isn't it, that you, you want to be concerned about, I guess, John Conlon. With that head, head injury, it looked like a concussion, possibly. Um, Shane O'Donnell picked up a slight knock as well. And then you have Conor Cleary, Aidan McCarthy and David McInerney already on the sidelines. So... I think it's from two a, weeks now though for them. So mm. of course, yeah. So maybe that'll dictate who's favourites as well. Uh, but yeah, it was concerning enough for Conlon. He was on the on the ground for four minutes, um, and of course missed last year's All Ireland semi final with injury as well. So yeah, the next fortnight's going to be fairly critical, I think, for for Clare's chances against ah, Kilkenny in that game. Ah, oh, you are correct. Clare five to four on Kilkenny, five to four. Okay. Uh, that will depend on the injuries as well, I think, for Clare. What well, they went into they had injuries going into that game on Saturday. Aidan McCarthy wasn't there. You do look at Clare and they have to feel we are the team that can beat Limerick. We have shown that we have the ability that we can go toe-to-toe with them. They should have beaten them in the Munster mm. final. Over the last few years, consistently, they've been right there. They didn't. They didn't. I get that they didn't. I know, but well, the, well, the they, quality that they have... They did like, this season. In the in the, game in, yeah, the, in the round robin. Sorry, yeah. but not in the Munster final. And they have different players stepping up in different games. So, like, Tony Kelly scores 3-4. Um, you know, whether it's Shane O'Donnell, Peter Duggan, Dave Fitzgerald. It is the John Conlon thing. But you'd have to think mentally they should be in a better position where it felt as though Conlon's injury last year totally derailed them mm. in the semi-final. Uh, that there was too much in that. I think there was something else going on there, apart from that as well. So, we look, I... I um, I'm just trying to find uh, Tony Kelly isn't even on the top 10 list of top scorers in the championship at the moment I was wondering he doesn't if, take the freeze anymore if he might be able to Aidan McCarthy takes the freeze so. close the gap on Patrick Horgan or TJ Reid but he won't be able to it's, um, it's too big it's hundreds of points <laughs> now he does have a long time to go so he's sorry at the start of the year he was 13th on the list uh, literally 200 points behind I was interested to listen to Brian Lowen after the game because he was like, personnel-wise, we're better this year than last. And he also said, we're not as washed out as we were last year. Like, the Munster Championship didn't take as much out of Clare this year as, as perhaps in previous years. Uh, I mean, in the first 11 minutes, they had six wides yesterday. And I was like, oh, this isn't great. But 5.26 ultimately. And um, yeah, I think we've got two tantalising semi-finals. Probably the two parents that we wanted. Yeah, I don't think that... Um I, I, we're putting Clare in the green here because Clare are going to be in an all Ireland semi-final in rude health as opposed to last year when it did look like they were a bit washed out and um, they stuttered through this round. There was no stuttering yesterday. That 3-2 burst uh, just before half-time decided the game. Uh, look, we're, we're going to get on to Tipperary so let's keep going. Yep, into the amber and uh, Irish golf in the amber. Looked for large swathes of yesterday afternoon that we we're going to have an Irish winner at the major. It was going to be Leona Maguire or Stephanie Meadow. Um, and both of them I was I remember reading comments from Stephanie Meadow before saying when she was 13 Leona was 10 and she first met her when Leona was still reading Harry Potter books so like their friendship goes back uh, so long Curtis Cups together of course Olympics together um, but yesterday afternoon I think Leona Maguire will be very disappointed her 74 left her tied for 11th uh, ultimately uh, Stephanie Meadow shooting a 1 under 70 yesterday that's her career best in a major tying for 3rd Um so kind of failing to fire in the final round that was the KPMG Women's USPGA course uh, in New Jersey uh, Ruoning Yin uh, the ultimate winner coming from behind as well with, a, with an extraordinary final round from her uh, at 8 under par uh, one shot ahead of Japan's Yuka Sasso and two ahead of the, uh, the quintet of players at 6 under that included Stephanie Meadow 
I mean, I think Leon will be disappointed. I know where she was talking ahead of the final round, saying that was the, she was in a different position leading into the final round, which was strange for her. I think Leon will be disappointed, and Stephanie might be devastated with how it finished up. Mm. Um, it was interesting watching their embrace, and I was trying to look at the body language as they were going down 18, and Leona Maguire was out of it by then, but Stephanie Meadow knew that if she eagled 18, which was going to be a, a massive task, it was a par 5, but reachable in 2, that she would force a playoff. And she's standing 247 yards from the green, middle of the fairway, three wooden hand, and has, I'm sure, what is the worst moment of her professional career, where she tops a three wood in the worst possible way. The one that skips across the water. Incredibly fortunate it doesn't bounce into the water, yeah. doesn't connect with it at all. And you knew from the look at her face she knew that was it now she hit a really good approach misses the putt ends up in a tie for third um, when she could have finished second and all of that's very important for Stephanie Meadow because it's been a bit of a struggle over the last couple of years um, and you really hope that this ignites but it was such such a brilliant opportunity listen I'm not saying she was going to eagle 18 anyways but to not even give herself a chance to hit that shot at that moment is the type of thing that can haunt you for quite a while so I really hope that she's able to take the positives from this week and kick on for the rest of the season and next week the US Open is on at Pebble Beach um, so there's an opportunity for them to bounce back the body language is interesting it didn't seem like there was much conversation between the two of them uh, walking down 18 and then the hug at the end Leona Maguire's face uh, summed up uh, exactly what she felt about this massive missed opportunity never got going at all yesterday just couldn't build any moment that entire grouping Stephanie Meadow held in uh, the best of the three of them but um Shin, Meadow and Maguire there was nothing falling for them at all and maybe there was a bit of fatigue for Leona she won last week there's obviously a big emotional high after that and she keeps a flow going into Thursday, Friday, Saturday but she just didn't seem to have anything there last night but there's still a lot of positives this is the first time she's properly contended at a major she's had good major finishes you might remember at the Evian in France last year she had uh, a couple of years ago she had the lowest round ever in a major championship but it was coming from miles back likewise in the Open coming from well back to finish inside the top 10 this one she's there in the final pairing over the final two days and hung around but just didn't have that bit to kick on but again the US Open at Pebble Beach is next week so if you're in that level of form uh, starting next week, not this weekend coming, but uh, starting on on Thursday weekend. That's going to be just a, a massive occasion. So I'm not surprised that that was the owner Maguire's. I, I don't think she'd be looking at any positives. I go back to uh, this time last year, interviewing her down at Adair Manor after a round at the J.P. McManus Pro-Am, where obviously it's a celebration. And she just came off the course. And was like, obviously, this is a great day. There was huge crowds following her around, all of that. Uh, everyone was going in to have their fancy dinner or watch a bit of Westlife and all that. Not Leona, who was desperately disappointed with her round, uh, couldn't hide it, was going to the pudding green for an hour to try and fix things after the J.P. McManus Pro-Am. Uh, which <laughs> sort of shows where her mindset is, even at things like that. So, yeah, I think Amber is right. You would hope that Stephanie Meadow, this is her best performance in years. I think she finished third on her pro debut at the US Open in 2014, but... This should at least seal her card and be able to relax her a little bit. Um, you know, she just got married recently, so off the course things seem to be in a good place as well for Stephanie Meadow. But that shot on eighteen is one that I think uh, we'll live there for a while. Exactly, she'll be living through it. Yeah, I guess Paul Carrington we should mention as well, and that's why we have golf and Amber because uh, for him last night was unbelievable. Uh, trailed by five shots with seven holes to play. Um, what tournament did he win? This is the Dick Sporting Goods Open, so he's defended his title. Um, and like, sorry, but the the, the back. My, my two kids when they're in America is like Dick Sporting God. That's <laughs> yeah. the greatest name I've ever seen. <laughs> You've never lost it, Jer. 
Oh, come on. You got to take it when you... <laughs> you got to what? Smoke them, smoke them, smoke them when you got them. <laughs> oh, God. I'll move on from that one, get that image out of my head. But, uh, yeah, final line uh, 28 was just remarkable. Um, five, was it five birdies and an eagle? Like, towards the back end? Yeah, it was ridiculous uh, finish from Harrington. Uh <laughs> Defending his title here. And again, the US uh, Seniors Open is on this week. Mm. Harrington Wisconsin. went all the way against Steve Stricker in the last major. Uh, won the US Open last year. you got to think. He's, he's going to do it again. Right there. I keep pointing this out, but he's winning more in prize money now than he ever did in his best years. Even the years when he was winning two majors in the same season. Yeah. He actually won more in in real terms, obviously. Not including inflation. I understand. The taxes. Boring economists out there. But um, yeah. $315,000 for last night's win and that takes him to over a million, I think, on the PGA Tour this year. And it's barely got going. It's not bad. Uh, and look, he was tied for fifth overnight heading into the final round so he probably hadn't really considered the fact that he could probably win. But um, yeah, what a performance. 51 years of age, still flying at Potter Carrington. So Irish golf Deservedly. Edward Freeman wants to ask his Ryan O'Donoghue in the red for his cheap shot stamp that will surely get him a suspension for the weekend. There's no, there's no, you don't get suspended anymore. In the, in the like, there has to be, you have to kill somebody to um, get suspended from this point of the tournament on. Listen, right? as Sean Kavanagh said, it takes two to tango. Now, it did look as though maybe Sean Kelly was tangoing with somebody else at the time. Sometimes, uh, sometimes as Sean Kavanagh well knows, it only takes one to tango. So let me just say that. Uh, it's hard considering the video footage that they have now it didn't look good from Ryan O'Donoghue the little look down first but they don't have the footage of the feet right you know, so you think it'll be grand it's like trying to judge them strictly but not only seeing the top half of things you know there's a lot going on down under uh, I can't deal with another Mayo for Sam Summer and inevitable failure hopefully they're gone the next day says Shane who I think is a Mayo fan judging by that <laughs> I think he's a Mayo fan. I hope they're gone the next day. Well, the, the good thing about this championship is it's not going to last very long anyways now. It'll all be done in a month, so... Yeah, yeah. How do we feel about that? Like, as the, the weather gets good and the play gets good, everybody's gone. I'm happy for the players. I think they finally get a summer summer break, summer holidays. Uh, well, they're going to straight back into club action because we all know the club is, club is where you start club. and club is where you end. Club yeah, clubman. 100%. Um... Uh, Russ Common are awful to watch not sure how far Cork will go but delighted that awful brand of football didn't win says D Muller I don't know about that I don't agree with that I, like, I mean, come on like, what do you, what do you, well, they're not here for your entertainment they're here to win this is, yeah, this is exactly. senior championship football that's yeah. their job Russ Common have had a good year oh, this art gallery is boring well don't watch <laughs> exactly if you're, look it was boring to watch Man and Kildare at times but if your team is involved you're still just excited you're still on the edge of your seat you know, Does everyone games. forget the hits the Mayo forwards have been getting all season? It's about time they gave some back, says Kevin Brannigan. What about Aidan O'Shea in the tee? Eamon Fitz pointed this out in commentary. Did you see that? No. From McBreen's goal, Aidan O'Shea is, is uh, passed the ball and lays it back off to McBreen for the, for the assist. And he has, <laughs> he has Conor Leeson's kicking tee in his hand. As full forwards tend to do, they, they will just run about with the tee in their hand, thinking if this ball goes wide or whatever, I'm going to disrupt. So they just walk around with the tee and... Uh, Aidan O'Shea has the tee in his hand is past the ball and has to throw throw the tee out of his hand to collect the ball and then pass it off for the goal so Shithousery almost didn't pay off for Aidan O'Shea a multi-talented man yeah. good, good, good hands you'd have to argue good hands as a yeah. basketball turns out the basketball exactly. has uh, worked well for him yeah. Yeah. So, alright let him at it move into the red and uh, we'll start with Tipperary I suppose because Tipperary uh, will be certainly disappointed with that with the manner of the defeat won't they like two point defeat only to, to go away here we go again but like Galway with 18 wides again it's not a perfect Galway performance but still t- to have the ability to beat Tipperary on a, on a day like that where you can certainly say you weren't at your best yourself 
Um, they had the first half no show against Waterford, of course, Tipperary, and it was kind of similar to that. Their forward line, starting for forward line, failed to score. Um, and then the John McGrath goal, you think, gets them back to within a point, and, and they might push on from there. But I mean, well, it just wasn't to be. When they're, when they're making that comeback, the way they made the comeback, everybody in Galway and everybody around the country is like, flaky, flaky Galway, here we go again. This just happened last week. For them to get come through that, you hope that they're somehow relieved from the burden of flakiness and now can go and do themselves justice against Limerick. I think, yeah, then sorry, Tip conceding that goal straight from the throw-in at uh, in the second half as well. You're just like, do they not hold on here? By the way, Connor Whelan, player player herder of the year, if Galway win in All Ireland. That's, 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 that's the biggest if we've had so far this morning. I yeah, think, Shane, uh, like the catch and the little handoff was probably one of the moments of the summer so far, and. A tip never got to grips with them at all. It, these quarterfinals, some years they just come to life and you're there till 11 o'clock at night and both games go to extra time and you really feel there's a bit of momentum with the winners. Limerick felt very flat, on. very flat. But you'd have to think a couple of week break, go away can regroup, 18 wides. They're not going to have 18 wides in an All Ireland semi final. Uh, Skettle was making the point on the hurling pod last week, like, you look at them the last five, six years, it's a one-score game that beats Galway when it comes down to it in these uh, championship games. So they'll keep it a lot tighter. They'll improve. And Tip, like the Galway footballers, like they've lost so many players over the last year that these are the games where it catches you out. Mm. Yeah, they didn't perform. They didn't seem to have any energy. Um, you know, manager was very honest afterwards that you know, maybe they went... that they. Should they have gone all out against Offaly last week with sort of their first choice fifteen? And they had to get they had to get game time. That's into them the thing. And get confidence. If into they them. lose and they don't, we're going. Ah, yeah. Players are too well rested. But yeah, it was a strange game because it's Galway Tip, and there was such a bit of bite beforehand, and we kind of got a full understanding of how much these two hate each other. You felt it was going to come alive. Yeah. And it was just a bit, ugh. a bit dead. Right, come on into the red. Yeah, also the red. red. Uh, yeah. Women's women's GA, I guess the news that they kind of broke last night. We saw the protests at the at the different games of the weekend uh, where teams would sit down after the national anthem and before throw in. And you see a photo up on screen there of different teams engaging in that protest. But uh, the Cork Senior Camogie and Ladies Football teams as well releasing a, a joint statement last night urging the LGFA and Camogie Association uh, to avoid uh, a clash of championship fixtures. So already there have been two fixture class- clashes involving the Cork Ladies Football and Camogie teams, including last weekend. Um, so dual players, of course, have to make a decision. Cork have four uh, dual players, Libby Coppinger, Hannah Looney, Aoife Healy and Orla Cahalan. Uh, and they've had to make decisions. So uh, you've got coming up this weekend, uh, the Cork footballers in the All-Ireland Senior Championship Group 4 against Tipperary. That's uh, 2 o'clock in Clonakilty. And then the, the Camogie team are away to Clare and Cusick Park an hour later. So obviously impossible. Both teams, by the way, need to, to win to guarantee places in the knockout stages. So it's not like one of the games uh, is less important than the other. Um, I mean, last Saturday, this, this is how ridiculous this is, by the way. So the Corkamogi team played down in Parky Cueve at three. The footballers were away to Galway and Saltill at half seven. Libby Coppinger plays the full Camogie match. Then she rushes to Galway. She comes on as a second half sub. Aoife Healy plays for the Camogie team and Hannah Looney chooses the football that weekend. Uh, Orla Cahillan was injured. But the fact that these players are having to make decisions in, in games of this magnitude is outrageous at this stage. I mean, like, no wonder there were protests at the weekend because the likes of this happening is just farcical. Yeah, well, there's five or six different things going on here, I think, that um, understandably the players are protesting about expenses, uh, equal treatment, all of that. This is one of the reasons why it's going to end up taking too long to get a merger, amalgamation, whatever words they want to use together because the Camogie are going to be going, 
well, we don't want to be in a position where the LGFA are telling us when we're going to have our games that their players should get priority and the LGFA are going to be thinking the exact same thing. So rather than having a bit of common sense and sitting down at the start of the year and working out a programme and going maybe, well, why don't we do Saturday and you do Sunday? Or something like this that makes a little bit of sense. Or we just do every second weekend and you know what? We'll run our championship on a little bit later. Maybe we'll go into August and September take when there's the nothing else on and we'll just take over the airwaves yeah. and we'll be the front and centre every single weekend and people will be following these games and excited by them. But instead we're going to put them on at the exact same time so even the supporters who want to follow, who want to get behind us, can't do that either. So I think the the starting point of this protest that is taking place and the players weren't fully committal as to what was going to happen mm. uh, last week when you know we saw those very powerful images of all the county jerseys on stage together it was so reminiscent of Liberty Hall and the women's soccer team back in 2019 uh, this is a GPA initiative why aren't the men taking part in this as well like this is one organisation that has come together so while there were um, ladies football games on TV over the weekend the games that were front and centre on RTE over the weekend were the men's games in hurling and football. Why wasn't this same protest happening there to draw attention to this? Yeah. Considering the GPA is the one that is already unified, that is a one organisation. That has to be the next step for this. Do the men not support them? Is that, what, is that like, what's the implication of this? You know, because if, if they don't support them, I don't know why. Uh, and if they do support them, what are they doing about it? Also, sorry, the, the decision to play out the remainder of the championship under protest, like, I respect that, but also would it not have made more of an impact just saying, we're not playing, we're not playing. I, I, like, why, I know why, that's But strong. then you're punishing yourself. I, I don't think, yeah. I, I think these sort of protests... Make a point, though. Well, you're making a point, that you're, you're shooting yourself yeah. in the foot. So you're 25 you're, years of age at the peak of your career, yeah. and I know so you can make the argument the opportunity well. to play for a championship this year. Of course you should. Yeah, but you bite that bullet. You make like, you make um, the game much um, better for the generations after you and for well, the, for the mean, following years as well. You're you're trusting the organisation to act on the basis of shame, like, and that they won't. Yeah, I I, I you're think you're into a, a war there that there's no guarantee on the other side. They say, all right, we will back down here. Yeah, fair play. You made a good point there, and we're going to fix it by doing this, 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 and this. Yeah. That, that's not going to happen. It's it's actually it's the men's GAA that needs to fix this problem by coming across with equal money and equal funding and saying yeah we are okay we accept that as part of as a a token of our uh, goodwill and and good faith ahead of the actual merger that's going to happen here's the money that we will be paying out in the future anyway because they have us we know they have us like the the GA is making loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of money and uh, that's evidence if you just look at their their, um, annual accounts they can easily afford to pay the women the same mileage that they're paying the men it's a really simple, straightforward thing for them to do to solve all this. But the men players need to back the women, as Nathan says. Yeah, it's the time it's taken. Like, and the statement last week kind of hinted at that. They said, look, integration was, was made a priority at this meeting and all membership of the three associations agreed, but that's over 18 months ago now. Yeah. So like, it's just yeah. going... And look, the, these things are complicated. Integration can be complicated. There's lots of different systems in the background that can take time. But you can get ahead of it and the showpiece occasions, make sure that they're... Like the Cork, Camogie and Ladies Football are something that should be celebrated. They should be front and centre of any new organisation. Instead, you're putting them head to head. Right, that's this week Gillette Labs performance rankings. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette.